having having a, an allusion to an obscenity as your as your corporate tagline. Playa yeah. bowls. Get bowls deep. That is painted on the door of their store in their advertisement. You're kidding. That's not a real. That's that, not real. That's a real thing. Yeah. Somebody approved that. Like that made it through the chain of, of yeah. decision making. I wonder what the person who approved that he or she was like. <laughs> Yo, yes. Yeah. We're going to do the both sides it. He uh, or she. Absolutely. Could have been anybody, really. Unclear who it could have been. Yeah. Doesn't... I know how I would bet. Yeah. I, I guess there's not much to say about that except for the. It, uh, will they I be... thought it was a reference to Dodgeball. Will they be a sponsor of the show? Flybulls? So. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think they're a sponsor. Yeah. I would like them to be a sponsor if by sponsorship it was just there was always a pliable here waiting for me. I have to say Tazo. Tazo's a sponsor. Uh-huh. The fact that you guys are saying it out loud, pliables, it sounds like you're saying things that can be bent and shaped. Oh. Pliables. Like P L I A B L E S. Also, I don't understand the concept of pli like so what we're meant to Let's be fair. I've never been to Pliables. Okay, well, let me just... But, I've, me looked just at, but I've looked at it. Let me set it up for people that aren't that don't live here. This is a new restaurant... It's got to be like a franchise. Shop We're probably the last one to get it. In, in downtown. I've Houston. literally never heard of it. Yeah, me neither. And it moved into the carcass of a subway, which is like... Not that I'm mourning that, but I just didn't think that was a beast that would go down. They're never, and yet, it's gone, and it's replaced by beach bowls. And from what I understand, these are bowls with various fruits and nuts and things in them. I would think sand and Many shells. of which are available not at the beach, which is what my concern is about beach bowls. I, I think my concern is that the actual content, quality, or or uh, identity of the food itself is the least of my concerns. It's the reference to... Get bowls deep. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I don't like that either. But skip that. Yeah. The actual question was... There's the common phenomenon of, uh, did you close the garage and how far away do you need to be from the house before you turn around to check? Yeah, a number a number of times I will get about 100, 150 feet from my house and I'll make a block around because and, and come back and check that I've closed the garage door because right. I have this, this weird thing that even though I see the garage door closing and I move away, I drive away and I'm like, my brain sort of picks on me and says... Yeah, but what if you didn't close the garage door? Right. That's like, did I leave the iron on? Yeah. If I ask myself, after I close the door, did I leave the iron on? Usually gets me to think, did I actually lock the door? Now it's a cascading series of things that I'm not sure if I did. But how far away do I have to be before I'm justified in not returning to check on it? Because if I remember that on my driveway, then I'm like, well, crap, I better go back and check because I'm right here. I can see the house. But if I remember this two blocks away, is it still incumbent upon me to go back to check on it, it's always off. I've never left the iron on. So if I walked all the way to work, and then I was like, oh, I really think I left the iron on, I'd figure, I don't know, I would have heard the sirens by now. You have discussed a lot of obscure ephemera on this show, and I'm not sure that I've ever connected with one less than the one we have right now. A, I don't even know where our iron lives, let alone wonder if I've left it on. B, I haven't I haven't had a garage since high school. What if you packed away your iron and left it on when you packed it away? Is that That's scary? true. I, I probably did Could've leave it on, it but because it's not connected to a power oh, source. Yeah. I do, And even the door unlocked, uh, you know how many times I've come home, reached my key to the door only to discover it is in fact unlocked and been like, oops. Well, yeah, right. I'm with you on this one. I will frequently walk away from my house. I shouldn't say this out loud. And <laughs> We don't know where you live. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the I door is live, not but... locked and I'll be two feet away and nah, not worth it. Oh. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, this does answer some of several other questions. A, why, why we, nobody listens to this show? Yes. B, how long are we going to keep talking about this? This is not relevant to anything. C, we have our guests here and we keep avoiding introducing. It's true. We could get onto the actual show. Yeah. 
I think there's maybe there's a function on on podcast players of like at what point do people bail? Like we don't have the analytics. Do you think they bail after like one minute? They're like, just give them two minutes. How <laughs> many how many people think that download this podcast think it's about like baking or something like that, and then bail after the first two seconds? Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't had a, a review that commented on that. Yeah, this is not this is neither about breads nor butters. Yeah, Burn. not even one bread or butter. Okay. Please, I'm trying to give people a reason to keep listening. This is episode 104, CIV, of uh, Various Breads and Butters. There's no uh, song for that, right? There's no song for that. Although Civ is kind of like a video game people play, Civilization. Um, There's definitely a band named Civ. Is there? Okay. Is it a metal band? Maybe they can sponsor us. No. Is it Um, an emo band? Maybe, I don't know. This is why people stop listening to us. (laughs) I can't even get to the title. I'm Simon Portmantona. With me, as always, is Ben Brickhouse-Cohen. Uh, in the studio as a as our producer, our summer team, Liam Perdiam O'Donnell. Off-season team. Off-season off team. Se- I like off-season. Off-season's good. Um, of the Cinepunks et al. Pod, set of podcasts. Yeah. Um, and with us in studio, very special guest, Michael Butler of the Department of Biology at Lafayette College. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Thanks for suffering. Mike, how long have you been at Lafayette? I started in 2012, so I guess five and a half years. You just got tenure, like three weeks ago yeah and it's great how do you feel fantastic okay what have you done differently yeah i took a day off i <laughs> actually took a day off wow what did you do on your day off uh Braided. no no uh i actually brewed beer wow oh he mentioned that because uh, i was the president and founder of my college homebrew association you were homebrew club oh, i didn't know that that's right wow well what kind of beer <laughs> did you brew Actually, I brewed two. I had the one I wanted to brew, which okay. was a an imperial stout that uh, I put in some toasted almonds and toasted pecans. Wow. Um, and then my wife is an IPA fan, and the deal was I make what I want, and I also make what she wants. And so there's uh, some IPA uh, huh. in the basement as well. And, we're, we're, and your wife is front of the show, future guest Kat Butler, who works in also at Lafayette College. College. That's true. Uh, in IT. We've really proven that this is a college-based show. Pretty much, yes. What, uh, where, where are you getting your hops? How's the hops? What kind of hops are we talking? So for the IPA, I, I buy a lot of my stuff on Northern Brewer. Uh, that's my online source. Mm-hmm. Um, and they uh, just send me a lot of their hops. Uh, they also have the Mailer malts, which I like. And uh, one thing that I'm pretty happy about, this was my first uh, brewing bag. So all grain for the first time with my uh, stout. Okay, wow. well, okay, can can anyone like dumb that down for me and Liam? Sure. Hey, uh, you lost me way You don't back even drink. Yeah. No. No yeah. idea. Okay. By the way, I haven't have not home, I have not home brewed or brewed for 22 years, so you can explain it to me too. Okay, so basically Charles Papagian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can uh Who's that? He's the guy who wrote the Bible for home brewing oh, okay. in the 70s. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically to make beer, all you need is sugar and yeast mm-hmm. kind of to make any alcohol. Cause can, can I just dumb it down? Well, sh- so <laughs> yeast eats sugar and poops out alcohol and carbon dioxide and carbon dioxide. Yep. That's Liam. Does that explain it? Sure. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So if okay. you put sugar water with yeast, you'll get something alcoholic out of it. Nice. Um, if you want beer, you make sure that the sugars come from grains. Um, and usually the grains have been malted in some way. So okay. that they have, uh, different flavor profiles. Mm-hmm. And that's basically it. Um, so if you take grain and put it in, one of my friends described it as you make tea and yeah. then you ferment it. So you just have warm, not boiling water. Mm-hmm. Let grain sit in there for an hour or so. Get then get the grains out, boil what you do have, 
to boil the tea, and then you put that into a little glass container, dump in some yeast, wait a while, then you can put it into a bottle and drink it. Has wow. it ever um, boiled over and, and gotten onto the tile and gotten really sticky and actually broke off a tile of your kitchen floor? Once in college, yes. Okay. So we're one, we're, we both have one example of that? Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> How long have you been doing this? So in college, we brewed a few times, and they were all okay but they so they all tasted good but they had this weird metallic overtone which was disconcerting and as college students we were not drinking our beer because we were like this tastes metallic it turns out that if you buy a nine dollar pot to make your beer in Hmm. you don't get nine dollar stainless steel pots you get nine dollar aluminum pots and you could tell so i'm actually now in retrospect pretty happy that we just dumped out a lot of our beer yeah um because i'd you can sell it as having like aluminum notes. Can you uh, broadcast or receive radio stations through your fillings? Now, <laughs> now I can, yeah, yeah can. which is okay. how I knew to uh, download this podcast. Good. So um, so then we did that. I didn't really brew when I was in Boise at mm-hmm. all. And then when I got to Arizona, I did a few times. Mm-hmm. You're setting up Segway Man here. We need to back this up. Okay, did you start in Boise or where did you start? Journey question. Like, where, where did you start your life? Cotton Eye Joe. Hawaii. Hawaii. I didn't know that. You started your life in Hawaii. Yeah, on St. Patrick's Day. Wow. We're going to need to see the birth certificate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, not a U.S. citizen. <laughs> Aloha. Aloha. Yeah, my father was stationed at Pearl Harbor. Oh, no way. Yep. He was in the Navy. I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna think your age, your age, your dad. Not at the bad time. Not at the bad After time. The time. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Got it. Dude, did, did the math. Um, and so how long did you stay in Hawaii for? Three whole months. Oh, oh, that's it. Yep. My father. So we were there. Then my father got deployed. He was out at sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom took me back to Buffalo, where okay. both my parents are from. I don't know how long we were there after. I think we moved to Newport, Rhode Island for a while, but I'm not sure about that, actually. We got to Columbus. Is your mom going to listen to this episode? No. Yeah. So then we left Columbus when I was five, went to Virginia side of D.C. in Annandale. Then I was in Cleveland. Sixth grade, I started in Connecticut. Okay. Do you have one of those RVs with the stick with the magnets on the back of all the states that people have been to? I kept a lot of the license plates. Now, now, what? Just just to jump ahead, what is the longest amount of time you've ever lived in a single place? Connecticut seven, um, but number two is Arizona at six, and number three is Easton at five and a half. Okay, so. If everything goes well, Easton will, will be, be the, the record longest holder. place oh, yeah. you've ever lived. That's the plan. That's the plan. Wow. I, I, I feel proud of that, given how many places you've been. Now, where did you go to undergraduate? Bowdoin College up in Maine. Bowdoin College up in oh, Maine. Another Bowdoin. Didn't we have other Bowdoin people? Probably. We've had well, Nestor was visiting at Bowdoin. Mm-hmm. I think oh. Lindsay visited at Bowdoin. Yeah. Really? Matt Hyde, of course. Yeah. Oh, Matt and I were on uh, cr- track at the same time. Oh, no Really? Way. He was a senior when I was a first year. Wow. Oh. Connections with guests. Friend of the show, past guest. Yeah, I know. So you stayed all four years there? Yep. How'd you like it? I loved it, yeah. actually. Yeah, I thought it was great in a lot of ways. Is that where you became interested in biology? Yeah, although that was uh, circuitous as well. Yeah. I actually originally declared an econ major. Oh. And then I declared a physics major. Wow. And then eventually I became a biology and physics double major. Now, what 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 drove you away from economics? You make it sound like I was active in a lot of this. Oh, okay. Got I was it. just kind of whatever about okay. a lot of this. Okay. Now, now, something must have sparked your passion in biology, though. Oh, I was always a big fan of animals. I wanted to be oh. a veterinarian growing up, oh, okay. that sort of thing. Okay. Um, what, then, was it always birds? No, definitely not. So, by the way, later in the show, you'll find out that he's a bird specialist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but don't F- foreshadowing. Spoiler, foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, my junior spring, mm-hmm. I took a co- the only course that was kind of like animal tainted, and that was the uh, 
um, ornithology course. So okay. <laughs> I took ornithology as a junior. And before that, I could have ID'd probably like five species, and that would have been on a good day. And there are more than five species. Is, is that correct? Yeah, almost, <laughs> okay. almost 10,000. I've seen like red ones. Yep. seen some blue ones. Breaking news. People like to talk about how somebody who really was into Shakespeare in the 1800s introduced. Yep. What's what's that fact? Starlings. So, so I only know like half that story comes mm-hmm. up a lot. Yeah. So the deal there is uh, somebody who was really into Shakespeare wanted the uh, New World to have all of the old world birds mentioned in Shakespeare. Mm. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he brought European starlings, which are the kind of blackish ones most mm-hmm. of the time that in the summer have yellow beaks and they're on the ground and there are huge flocks of them. I The story goes, he introduced them three times. They failed both the first two times. They just didn't make it through the winter. Yeah. The third time when he released them in Central Park, they did. Uh, and I think, I can't remember if it was 50 or 100 birds that he let go um, they're now, I forget how many, 100 million or something like that across the U.S. So you can trace it back to those 50 or 100 birds? Yeah. Wow. Well, it's you not, know, not really good. All well, the, I know, but I'm just saying, I'm not just yeah, saying wow, not wow of, good. It's kind of messed saying, up. Wow. Right? It's bad, right? That's, yeah, it's that's not a good. pretty bad thing. That's yeah. a bad thing. It was wow. suboptimal. All lower 48 states <laughs> now have starlings. Wow. All of them. They're kind of an invasive species? I mean, there are a lot of technical ways to get about this. They're yeah. definitely non-native. Um, okay. They're probably invasive because they do a lot of agricultural harm as well. Um, okay. So I think the stat is something in Pennsylvania, U.S. dairy farm or Pennsylvania dairy farmers every year have something like a $20 million hit because the starlings are one of the birds that do hang around over the winter. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they go to feedlots, they eat the feed, and they defecate over the feed, and Come the on, cows starlings. get sick, and they don't have as much food. How's that? The farmers pay for it. We don't need to make this into a side committee discussion, but Mike and I are both on the same uh, committee on campus, oh, which sure. happens to deal with advising. My experience, I was an engineer as an undergrad, but history too, and I was not advised. I just kind of picked stuff. Most of the students I know uh, from then and other places, they kind of wander around and find these places. You've just mentioned like your own experience wasn't this uh, necessarily intentional path. Not remotely. What do we suggest to the students here who are trying to find their way and are worried about changing majors? I think uh, Michelle, producer, was she gone through like five, six majors? No, I think she's gone through like two. Two? Yeah. She was CS. I thought she was like... Yeah, she's CS and now she's like political science. What is she, women and gender studies or theater? Oh, I think she's doing... No, she's interested in theater, but we'll let Michelle. We can ask her. Yeah, we'll we'll ask her. Um, It's not necessarily bad to wander around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you want it, so I have a story kind of to highlight some of this. Yeah. So let's see. My junior year, I took that ornithology class, Mm -hmm. learned more than the five birds I knew. Okay. Um, A good good professor in that class? Fantastic professor. Yeah, actually, I still talk to him. I spoke to him uh, last summer. We were at the same conference together, which was fun. Send him the show. So... (laughs) Uh, what we did is uh, I learned a lot then. Um, then my senior year, I kind of senior winterum time, like kind of as the first week, it was an ad drop equivalent of my senior spring. Um, I had kind of a credit to burn. I kind of didn't have anything. I was going to take three courses. Why not? Sure. When I re- was decided to go check my mail a different way than I usually did. And so I walked this different way to the union. And I ran into a guy on the cross country team uh, who was also on the track team who asked me if I was taking uh mate choice in birds. And mm-hmm. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, Nat, the professor I had who taught ornithology, is teaching this half credit course on mate choice in birds. I was like, oh, that sounds kind of neat. So uh, during ad drop, I found out about a course that I'd never heard of um, because I walked a different way to go get huh. my mail. There you go. So I took this course. Because I was in this course, it's highly likely that that is why Nat asked me to be on his field team mm-hmm. that summer. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and because I was totally not employed, mm-hmm. I took the job. So I had a two week stint, two month stint in the Bay of Fundy. Oh, I was on this cool. island in the middle of the Bay of Fundy. So cold. Uh, it was summer. So okay. not. So then after I <laughs> took this field job, yeah. that was where I decided that, oh, That's you why can we need get writers. paid to go like play with birds, yeah, yeah. which is the reason I applied to grad school, which is the reason I became a professor. I mean, if I hadn't gone to check my mail that way that day, I would not be here. So, so the point is, it's not, it's not all just me. directional to just, you know, like you need to know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> I was sure one. you were going to say the point was something about checking your mail. Students yes. need to check their mail at different locations <laughs> all the time. This is one of the reasons, one of the things we lose with texting. Yeah. You don't take alternate routes to check your mail. You never want to be predictable. <laughs> Did you go straight from undergrad to grad school? No. So I took that field job after I graduated, and then I didn't have anything to do. Um, so my actually two freshman year roommates and I got a house in Maine. None of us had any jobs. I was at the point where I was stopping by Burger King and Subway and filling out, like, I need money. I don't care. I wandered into a job fair 10 minutes before it was closing because I just, like, saw the sign they said, oh, you have the right presence, whatever that meant. And I went to a job interview the next day. Actually brought one of my roommates who'd just been watching TV. Yeah. Um, so we both applied for this job, and we both got the job wow. um, as behavioral analyst technicians, uh, which is basically means we worked with autistic kids. Uh-huh. Um, so the two of us, they were um, very autistic children. Yeah. Um, so the two of us were assigned to this one um, nine-year-old boy mm-hmm. um, who was aggressive and nonverbal in a variety of uh variety of those traits. So I did that for a year. And it was during that year, I was like, I'm going to apply to grad school because I liked what I did that summer. Yeah. Um, and so I was in Maine that fifth year. And then I went to Boise State uh, that following year. Is your degree from Boise? I thought your, your degree was Arizona State. So I got my master's at Boise State, okay. my PhD at Arizona State. All right. And how'd you like Boise? Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. So my ideal like life mm-hmm. is working at Lafayette College, but located in Boise, with Boise about 10 miles from the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. So when that shows up, let me know, because I want that job. For our geographers, Boise is not... 12 miles from the Pacific Ocean. It's not What entirely. is Boise like? How would you describe? I don't know. It's someplace I've never been. Yeah. So I would say it's this walkable city meets town type thing. But I mean, because it's the only city for 500 miles, um, the next closest one is going to be Salt Lake City, um, which is a seven hour drive away. Wow. Um, and the next closest one that's like sizable would probably be Seattle or Portland, Oregon, uh, yeah. which is, you know, 800 miles away, 700 I think when you grow away, up in like the Northeast, it, the, the idea of, of things being that spread out is totally like foreign. And so, yeah, I mean, when I say to people, people say all the time, like, oh, you're in the Philadelphia area. Yeah. Uh, and then we well, must drive there all the time. Well, I used to, but not as much anymore. Yeah, it takes almost Oh, an hour. is it like three, four hours? No, it's like an hour and a half. Yeah. It takes me an hour and a half to get home from work. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, sorry. Time? But if we were in LA, it would take us an hour and a half to get to the local whatever. That's yeah. why we're not in LA. Let's <laughs> get back to Boise. <laughs> is it like in a, a, a valley? Is it not very mountainous? So the foothills are kind of the backdrop to Boise, and the foothills are 6,000 feet because um, wow. they're yeah. the foothills to the Rockies, right? Oh, yeah. Boise itself said about 2,700 feet, so you'd still see this like 3,000-plus foot foothill region. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're in the Snake River Valley, um, and the Boise River flows right through the middle of the city. Oh, um, there's. There's something about rivers throwing in the flowing in the middle of cities that is like that's always good for me. Oh, and I massive really like parks, that. trails, massive big everything is connected. Paris, it was awesome. London, all all the big ones. Yeah. So there was, I think I biked almost everywhere. There was a time, I think it was my last year. In 13 months, I filled up my gas tank three times. Wow. Because I could bike or walk almost everywhere. Were you it's wearing shoes fun. then? 
No. No. When no. did the when did the non shoes thing start? Always. Always. Uh, for listeners, mm. although Mike is wearing shoes now, yes, he often isn't. Correct. Mm-hmm. Sometime in college, I realized my mom wasn't around anymore, mm-hmm. and I didn't have to put on shoes. There you go. And I had this revelation of like, oh wait, I can just walk around barefoot or in sandals all the time. Do you and Kat have the same parenting philosophy, like for your kids? I, we there's, I mean, there's a Venn diagram there. We're, mm-hmm. We overlap, but mm, there's distinct. Can we stoke some tension? Is there anything we could do to make this worse? I don't want to do that. That's not what we do. It's, no, it's not what we do. Um, <laughs> trick question. Now, what what uh, what part of Arizona did you go to? Uh, so Tempe is okay. one of the suburbs of Phoenix, and that's okay. where Arizona State is. Okay. Sun Devils. That's where yeah. they have the Fiesta Bowl. Ask sure. me how I know. How do you know? How do you know? Oh, because my son's high school band just went there. Oh, that's what? right. Oh, so we watched. How did you like Tempe? I liked it a lot, actually. Yeah. yeah, I became addicted to the sunshine. What's it like in Boise? How are the winters? Fine. Uh, I thought it's so. In three years, I saw it snow twice down in the valley. Oh wow! Yeah, so oh, it's, I didn't realize that. I yeah, no, colder there. The highs are you know, but it's so it's a sagebrush step. You know, they get about twelve inches of precip a year instead of the six I got in Tempe, which mm-hmm. is the desert for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Summer highs, we broke 100 every summer for oh, sure. Wow. But it's the dry heat again, right? There like it's, right. we're totally. in the rain shadow. So it's, yeah, fantastic weather most of the time. Yeah. When did you begin your specialty in ornithology? Was that right as a master's? So that ornithology professor who kind of got me along that line, uh, that field job was also bird centric. And so that's kind of what I knew at that point. So I kind of just meandered down the bird path. So does it matter studying birds in Boise versus studying it in Arizona or do you just do field field work anywhere so it doesn't matter where you're studying? Uh, I mean, permitting matters just from that logistical perspective. But no, I mean, if you are a biologist who works with, or a biologist in general, kind of whatever you learn should just be somewhat broadly applicable. And what happens in field work? Is it a lot of counting, a lot of... It varies. Um, So yeah, there are field jobs where it's kind of counting, watching, videotaping, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Going out and taking blood samples. There's going out and Mm. manipulating things. So brood brood size manipulations are a good way to learn about breeding biology and cost benefit sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Where you go out, you know where lots of nests are, and then you basically move eggs around to see how females will deal with having larger broods or smaller broods and you know their feeding rates and all sorts of things now you're a tenured professor in biology here True. bird specialist what what's your specific like research area or your research specialty animals all of the animals <laughs> <laughs> so i have always and still continue to dabble um mm-hmm. i would say i like to see how animals deal with challenges to the environment whether that's through physiological mechanisms, which is kind of, you know, when if you think of hormones or nutrients or something like that, that's physiology or behavior. Well, you're the, you and uh, another friend of the show, future guest Dave Brandis, are the reason on a prior episode we were trying to come up with alternatives to the phrase of kill two birds with one stone. Oh, sure, yeah. But it's to their credit that I now won't don't want to say that and want to use something else because they're like, don't, that's not a good thing to say. Yeah, also skinning cats is probably not, that's an old phrase. To yeah, any kind of it. animal abuse Let's metaphor not is not the road to go we, down. I we don't think we have to. We don't have to. So do you have an alternative? Yeah. To kill two birds with one stone? Yeah. If somebody says that, you're like, you know, what you could be saying, which is much better, is... I don't have one offhand. What if they're okay. robot birds? Hey, let's do two things at once. <laughs> but that doesn't have the flair. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> All right. I we'll don't s- accept that. We'll analysis. wait for the mailbag. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Peter, Peter will come up with Yeah. Write us, write, write us down. What, what's, what's, the, what's the modern version of Kill Two Birds with One Stone? Yeah. I mean, I forget what the answer was. People Let's answered us last time. two pizzas in one oven. Are you just hungry? You could actually fit five pizzas in there, but, you know, still. Yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. We'll workshop that later. More work on that. 
How's the feral cat status here on campus? Because when I came here, everybody was talking about the feral cat issue, and then I came to understand that it had some relationship with, you know, bird strikes and windows. And I assume they're still around. Um, I've seen them. We've tried to reduce their um, available window-killed bird diet. And actually, so if I can uh, give my PSA, the feral cat thing's a big deal. Um, feral or just outdoor cats in general yeah. uh, kill a billion birds a year. Damn. Yeah, like if you have a cat, put it inside. So, so Mike, you're if you see a feral cat, then and you want to do something about it, then what you're saying is that either <laughs> take it in or take it to a shelter. Yeah, don't let it just be outside. But you're also outside. like we've we've talked on other episodes, and we were talking earlier. Mm-hmm the movie or TV representation of specialists. So like the TV, sh- whatever yeah, TV show you're talking a, about. Now he's a cat expert. Like That's the historian who goes back in time and knows ev- just everything mm-hmm. about anything. True. I-, I was trying to make the point that the flaw of the representation of academics on TV or movies is that they assume everybody is an absolute generalist and knows everything right. about everything. On The Good Place, which we just yes. started watching, yes. the, the, the cheaty character is a philosopher, but they right. have him... Uh, 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 an expert in any philosopher in all of history. Yeah, he's an ethicist, but he knows everyone. He knows every like as if philosophers. They just they because you're a philosopher, you know everything about every philosopher at any time. Well, I think before he dies, he's working on this like giant ethics, like as if like he's going to person like that's his project. Is he's right. just going to write Eth- the ethical the, text? Right. And I'm like, so now no it does. That. But now we're doing the same thing to Mike. Yeah. He mentioned that he's a that he works on animals, an animal biologist. Right. So now you know everything about all animals. So actually, I have a question. So I've come across this, and this is just always interesting to me. Is a spider an animal? I don't know. I mean, there is is certainly a biological We know it's an amphibian. (laughs) There is certainly a biological definition for animal. My, my, like... He's a biologist. (laughs) I know. Which of us would know that? I know. I'm saying... I'm just suggesting that. So as a starting point, I, I feel like anything living that's not a plant is an animal. That's not true. Okay, well, no, I'm just saying. <laughs> that, but but that that's my that's my sort of uninformed thing. So that, so you you see so you're putting viruses and various. Oh, like, I, I, okay. No, not those. For some reason, mushrooms. Uh, well, I I I know mushrooms aren't plants, but but I put them with the like the the it's plant fungi. stuff. Okay. Anything with like a face. Is this something you ask in class? So, no, it's just uh, when I was in Arizona, um, one, I was, you know, TA for a course, and one of the students said something along the lines of, she asked me, is so is a spider an animal? This was a biology major, and I was like, These, this seems like the sort of question that I'm just kind of curious how people answer. I, so I, I, My answer is yes. Yeah, I, I, would, I assume they're demons from like, the depths of hell. So they are, yes. Of, yes, of course they're, they're yeah, spiders yeah. are animals. But, like, yeah, that, that's, but, I, I guess that's what I was wondering, this, the specific definition, like... No, they're not animals. They're arachnids, and so then I'd be like, "Oh, of course." But, but I don't know if those are all under the same sort of kingdom. But humans, with our like mammal-centric view of the world, we just when we think animal, we think mammals first. But yeah, a lot of people think animals are vertebrates, which are kind of the fish, amphibian, Mm -hmm. reptile, bird, mammal, and then they kind of don't know what to do with like invertebrates, a clam, yeah, you know that sort of thing. This is complicated. Unless they have those giant tongues and they do cool things with the giant tongues, they're definitely animals. Yeah, because <laughs> they got character and they got pearls. No, those hey. are oysters. Wait, yes, oysters. Go. The animals. What a great band. Yes, their songs were interesting to listen to. Oh my god, <laughs> this is the worst segue ever in the history of segues. We need to, re- to re- up our segue game. <laughs> this is worse than the. Mike, we're going to move along in the show. Okay. And ask about musical preferences. Okay. 
Um, with that elegant uh, act break into the next segment here. Sure. Um, we're interested in your your favorite music. This is now at this point in the show entirely just for my benefit because then I surf around and listen to different bands that sometimes I hadn't heard of or hadn't listened to in quite a long time. So one question, three parts. At age 10, what was your favorite music? At age 20, what was your favorite music or band? And at age 30, what was your favorite music or band? And in particular here, tell us where you were were at those times too. Sure. So uh, initial caveat Despite the fact that I'm actually musical, like I was in the band for nine years, I played mm-hmm. trumpet, like piano, all that. Mm-hmm. I actually am one of the least musically, I spend very little of my time listening to music. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like music because who yep. doesn't like music? Yeah. But if you're saying like, are you a fan of music? I can't actually say yes to that because I will happily go through most of my life. Kind of, It's not a passion. Not a passion. Mm. So with so, that in mind. That, sure, sure. Well, age 10, Billy Joel, for sure. Okay. I had... And where were you at this point? Cleveland. Cleveland, got Yeah. So, Grace Hits 1 and 2, on loop, Mm -hmm. all the time. Like, that was... Now, was that because it was in in the house, because your parents had it, or you you just found... That was the one tape I owned, because back then, there were tapes. (laughs) Yeah. So, that was 98% of my listening. The other was... uh, um, This was probably right before 10 years old, but Ray Stevens... Okay. Oh wait. Wait, is that isn't he, doesn't he do comedy stuff? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he had the haircut song and yeah, Blue yeah, Cyclone yeah. and that sort of thing. Did he do Grandma and Got Run Over by a Reindeer? Or is that someone no, else? That's someone else. That's someone else. But <laughs> I remember did. I remember that I remember he had like commercials. Mississippi. Yeah. Like you would see the right okay, I get it. Yeah, he had yeah. the Mississippi Squirrel Revival. That yep. was awesome. No. Well uh and how about age twenty? So age twenty, let's see, I was in Maine. Uh I'd say eighty percent of my listening was real big fish. Okay. Whoa. Uh, Real big fish. What? I'm not. Blast from the past. That's it's called. It's a little oh, genre called ska. Oh, Second okay. wave ska. No, third wave. Come on. Isn't we, there some? There's still some disagreement in the Real Big Fish community over the transition from second to third wave ska. No, no, no. Second wave ska is the specials and madness and all the '80s stuff. Real Big Fish is third wave. Okay, I, I got a question. Did it have to do with your trumpet playing that you uh, were into ska? It might have. Okay. Um, I mean, I was so my. Freshman year, I the roommate was playing music. I was, what is that? And I, it was the age of Napster. I downloaded everything that Real Big Fish had, and that made up almost all of my listening. With the caveat that I also went to see Bare Naked Ladies in concert. Mm. So yeah, like if you're trying to nail me down as like this is the sort of music Mike likes, um, good luck because my number one band was Real Big Fish and my number two was Bare Naked Ladies, and those are dissimilar. I think there was a lot of crossover between the radio rock and the ska community. Mm. That was not that broad because there's a point where I felt like everyone was listening to ska. Like it wasn't like ska went from a weird thing a couple of people liked to point ever existed. Uh, then how did Less Than Jake make a bajillion dollars? Like, there's no reason for that band to have gotten as huge as it was. Everyone, at a certain point in the 90s, every human within a certain age group had at least one Scott song. I think, I think what's happening here is that you're trying to do a reverse of what apparently happened on your show when somebody called you out for not knowing a, knowing a big pop culture reference. Mm-hmm. And now you're making references to Less, less Than Jake... Which I never even heard of. You're just because you're old. I haven't either. I'm old. Ben's older than me, for the record. (laughs) (laughs) I think within a certain age group, lots of people knew less than Jake. It was, I mean, that's how we got like you know, Squirrel Nut Zippers, Cherry Pop and Daddies, like all that later (laughs) swing stuff that was on MTV constantly Mm -hmm. was only because of ska. Ska like opened that door. Why are these all three word band names? I don't know. I hate all these bands. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Bare Naked Ladies, Rubik Fish, Squirrel Nut Zippers. 
Well, Bare Naked Ladies Jake. is different. Bare Naked Ladies is like Canadian. I know, but I'm just rock. obsessing now on the three word band names. No, let's not. Let's go the to Scott thing for a while. Age 30. Was, Speaking 30. of threes, age 30. <laughs> nice. How's that? Is that a good recovery? Three tens. Good. So I'd say the music I mostly listened to was uh, Girl Talk. Jesus. Um, that, yeah. You're, so, you're all over the place. Oh, yeah. I usually hate this part of the show, but I'm so stoked. This has been the best <laughs> various friends of ever. Never write a review. <laughs> it's going to get more. And Katy Perry. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> you know what? That's okay. You, you probably got a lot of Katy Perry on the Girl Talk. Mike, this is a safe yeah. space. Yeah. This is a safe this is space. Fine. No one will ever hear this. Oh, I'm yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, I mean, I'm still unabashedly a huge Katy Perry fan. She's one of two celebrities I follow on Twitter. The other one's Dave Barry. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> also similar. Also similar. So if I, uh, let me uh, connect this to a personal question. At what point did you and uh, for the show future guest Cat uh, Butler um, meet up, team up? Because did her musical interest uh, influence you at all? Is she also uh, not uh, musically passionate? She's way more musically aware than I am. Mm. Um, and she has opinions on music. And I can't go into too much more detail on that. Right. Not because I... will wait to ask her. Yeah. yeah. Also, I don't really know. Yeah. But also, we can make cross-references because she was a Lafayette undergrad. That's true. I want to hear more about that story. Like, how did you... We're going to give you the 90-second... How we met story. Okay. Uh, so I was in Boise. Um, my parents, I'd you know, gone to high school in Connecticut. My parents had moved within Connecticut, um, and now they were in this new complex, and they were in a duplex sharing a, um, a house and you know, a wall. Um, I was coming back for Christmas, my second year of, no, my last year of Boise, and I was told I had to meet the girl next door. And it turns out that my parents had moved next door to her parents. No way. And her roommate had just gotten engaged, so she basically had to move out of her place. Uh, so I met Kat um, basically the year, what was it? I can't remember. Wow. But we met because our parents introduced she us. She's literally the girl next door. Yeah, except we didn't grow up next to each <laughs> yeah, other. But, a, then, yeah, but yeah, um, and like shared a wall <laughs> next door. Wow. Um, so then I went to Boise, finished up my semester there, and knew I was going to Arizona at that point. Um, and you know, she had a job and life and all that. So we basically said, look, she, I was 26, she was 30. Mm -hmm. We'll give it a try, mm -hmm. but we're not doing a distance thing for like no point. Yeah, yeah. So I moved back to Connecticut that summer between Boise and Arizona. Um, we lived together basically, mm -hmm. um, said it that, Hey, that's a, that's a win. I yeah. proposed that <laughs> that September. Wow. Um, and then we got married July the following year. What were, what were her initial thoughts when you were up for a job at Lafayette? Don't go there. No way. She hated it here. Oh, wow. Don't tell anyone. It's a scoop. Okay. Oh, no, yeah. that, so that's not true. She she liked Lafayette for sure, uh -huh. um, but she d did not want to live in Easton. Oh, yeah. So when I was applying sure. to jobs, she was saying, I'll, you know, wherever you want to go, but not Eastern Pennsylvania and definitely not Easton. So yeah, she loved Lafayette. She had a great time here yeah. at the college, but... Um, I think in the 90s, Easton was a very different yeah. place. Yeah, it was. Our, our next guest on episode 105 is the mayor, so okay. uh, we'll put the question to him. I, yeah, We're, absolutely. For the record, Kat now likes Easton a lot, and every, you know, we've been here for almost six years. Mm -hmm. We think it's gotten better every oh, year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely yeah. it definitely has. Um, so you, Can we do a quiz? Yeah. Let's do a quiz. I'm so excited. Is there quiz bird names? Are these birds? No. no. Uh, Who knows? Who no. knows with Ben? Are these birds? Birds. Oh, <laughs> that was a, we didn't see that coming. You're a real faker. Right. You're a real fake out artist. These are real or not. 
were these bands that members of the Birds were in? Ooh. Oh, no. Or not. But So this is BYRDS. Yes. Okay. Members of the band The Birds, or in many other bands. I, now that we know I, that, that I, Mike I, is not a music know. lover. I just learned that The Birds is the name of a band. <laughs> there you go. This'll, this'll well, be good. Fun. That makes me feel better that I'll our test well. one is the first one. And I actually couldn't be sure that there would be an obvious one. So the first question, uh, were members of The Birds in this band or played with this musical artist? The first one is The Birds. Yes. Uh, that seems probably true. This is the Mike check question. There's no trick here. Then yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, so mic check question. Everybody knows that Good. members of the Birds were in the band The Birds, the B-Y-R-Ds. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Um, they, they wrote Mr. Tambourine Man mm-hmm. and uh, sold it to, to Dylan. Turn, turn, turn. Mm-hmm. Those sound like songs. Those are two, yeah. the two famous bird songs. All right. The first. <laughs> okay. like, you know how people are like colorblind? You're like music deaf. Oh, yeah. Like, it's no just, idea. It's just. It's it's just a, you learn a lot, okay. like everybody does on this very educational show. Okay. Uh, all right. The first real question. I feel good about my chances in this one. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Were any former members of the Birds in Crosby, Let Stills, Nash, think. and Young? I'm just going to go with yes. I'm also going to go with yes. No. Who? The answer is yes. Yes. I knew that. Dave, <laughs> David Crosby mm-hmm. was in the Birds. And I thought Crosby, that might Stills, be the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, next one Buffalo Springfield. Buffalo Springfield. Uh, I mean, their music sounds similar. So I'm going to say yes. Why not? I'm going to go with no, uh, but I that's because I don't actually know what that is. Buffalo Springfield? No idea. Oh, good man. Yeah. Good yeah. Man. From what I can tell, you're using a random word generator. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yes. Uh, the answer was no. Oh, I don't know. I knew that. Yeah. For those who were more musically astute, you might have thought, oh, because Stephen Stills, he was in Buffalo Springfield. Oh, And he was also in Crosby, Stills, Nash, but and there, Young. There's, there's a one-level connection, yeah. but not quite right. direct. But, but uh, no, no members of the birds were in Got Buffalo it. Springfield. Okay. Okay. Uh, how about he made fun of me for knowing real big fish and less than Jake? <laughs> Wait, Buffalo. Oh, okay, I didn't make fun of you. I just like I didn't. I didn't know what they were. <laughs> I knew what those were. I have no idea what you're talking. I was about. just deflecting my ignorance to make it seem like this was <laughs> your problem, and I'm the one who didn't know. All right, third, uh, the next one, the Yardbirds. The Yardbirds. Uh, I'm still with random word generator. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I think I'm going to go with no, but I think I might be. Then I'll go I'm, with yes, and our I think powers I might combined. Be wrong. Yeah. You're going with yes? Yeah. It's a no. Uh, but they do have birds in their name. Is yeah, the, they were do. the Yardbirds British? Uh, the Yardbirds were um, three guitarists all got their start in the Yardbirds. Eric, Eric Clapton, Clapton yeah. Jimmy Page, so they were British. and Jeff Beck. The new Yardbirds were Jimmy Page's new band, which became Led right. Zeppelin. Right. I've heard of that. It, although that See? does sound like random word generator. <laughs> all right. The birds, the Yardbirds, the next one is the Flying Burrito Brothers. The Flying Burrito Brothers. Now, birds fly. So you would think maybe they're in the same, but I'm going to say no for that. I feel they were different times. <laughs> I feel like this is going to be one of those ones that you say no, but it's it's tricky. It's, yeah. There's going to be a trick, mm-hmm. but I'm also going to go with no because I refuse to believe any human would name a musical act the Flying Burrito Bros. <laughs> yes. Mike is right, of course. Yeah! Oh. <laughs> wow. I'm just Ooh. offended that that name exists. Both so. Crosby and Graham, Graham Parsons, who were both in The Birds, were in The Flying wow. Burrito Brothers. I didn't know that. I thought they were different times. Huh. All right, Mike's making a comeback here. Next one, Eagles. Eagles. Which, they're not the Eagles. It's Eagles. Oh, is that oh, true? Sure, I didn't sure, know sure. that. Uh, I'll say no, though, still. Uh, I'm going to go with yes for no particular reason other than I haven't said yes in a mm. bit, so I'm going to go with yes. 
I'm hungry. Yes. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> wait, when you hear Eagles, you get hungry? I'm still on the Flying Burrito Brothers. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, the Eagles, that makes me think of football, which makes me think of snack food. The only thing I enjoy about football. So, yeah, it makes me hungry. Okay. Got yeah. it, I got it. All right. Next one. Uh, flock of Seagulls. Oh. Seagulls don't exist. Oh, wait. Okay. Let's get around to that. We'll, we'll get back to that. I'm going to say no, Liam. I'm going with no as well. Then right. yes. Okay, wait. No. No. But <laughs> why no. why wait, what's... do seagulls not exist? What is going on here? Shh. I feel like I've seen them. No, you have not. Oh, this is this is like Inception. Is or... this like Brontosaurus? Correct. Did yeah. they used to there exist? Is, they no. were misnamed? No, there's no animal that's officially called a seagull. Oh. There are a lot of different gulls out there, like herring gull, oh. great blackback gull. Uh. So it's not even a generic category within which those birds live? Gulls is the generic category. Uh. I thought it was because they were always flying over the bay, so they're actually bagels. Hey, oh. <laughs> oh, this is, God. So this is not a Sixth Sense thing? Like they favorite, were dead the whole time? It's one of my favorite jokes. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's... Just uh, a naming convention. Oh, and by the way, you'll appreciate this. Oh, yes, I will. There's no such thing as Canadian geese. There's no such thing. It's Canada I have a, geese. I have Canada a geese. I have a code I, in there. Oh, it's, it's Canada geese. Canada goose. Canada it's goose. Canada goose. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So no Canadian. No Canadian. Canada. Canada. See, these are all things you have to deal with. Wow. Yeah. Mm. All right. So what do we have? Birds, yard birds, flying burrito, brothers, eagles, flock of seagulls. What about Emmylou Harris? Emmylou Harris. <laughs> she was not one of the. Didn't she birds. eat the gold in gymnastics? Everyone <laughs> <laughs> else. It's Mary Lou Retton. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you knew that too. Wow. Yeah. You're you're on a. Fact Street. So wait, this <laughs> this isn't a person who's been on the a Wheaties box before. No, Emmylou Harris is a country singer. I am hungry. So wait, yeah. she, <laughs> you're asking if she was an original member of the Birds? No, has any members of the Birds played with Emmylou Harris? Oh, it's the other way. Okay, now we're getting. It's not just like too obscure. It's not like the Flying Burrito Brothers were members of the Birds. That's but right. Members of the Birds I, were in. I had forgotten the actual nature of the. Quiz. There's a direction to this. Um, this I, is a really great quiz. I got is, a lot of good feedback this is on this. So obscure. <laughs> I'm gonna say uh, I'll say yes because I I don't think you would know if at some at some performance you always maybe think that. one time you could have worked in at some later date there. at some later That's exactly six. what, uh, what thank you, think, you Mike I'm, I'm, I think the I'm one go. guy doing promotional work for us and yeah. he's not even the co-host no. I'm gonna go with some later date wait no I'm gonna go with no no so it was no and and yes oh now I don't know what to do mm. uh, I went with you last time I'm gonna go with yes Mike again nice it's a yes. Also, Simon, he also said yes. I also said yes. I know, but Mike was the last one, and he's our guest. Okay. That's <laughs> and he's on a streak. <laughs> Graham Parsons played with Emmylou Harris quite a lot. Oh, I kind of know who that is. Now, Graham Parsons or Emmylou Harris? Graham Neither. Did, yeah, because he was in The Birds. Did he start the Alan Parsons Project? No, that's Alan. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. They are related, though. Okay, I would think How so. about Counting Crows? Counting oh, I know that crows. band. There you go. Because of the that's a bird band. Counting crows. I just tried to think of a counting crow song okay. to sing into the mic, and instead, no. that bare naked lady song came no. into my head. <laughs> um, okay, so so just to get back to it, it's not whether the counting crows were ever in the birds. It's was anybody in the, the birds, birds in the played with counting crows played or in counting crows. crows? No, not in counting crows. There's way too much time distance there. I'm gonna go with no as well. Yeah. Yes. Oh, your instincts worked against you. It's a no. It's a no. <laughs> it's too new, too contemporary. Yeah. What about Cheryl Crow? Cheryl Crow. She had a lot of backup bands. Another it's Crow. Just her. I'm gonna. Oh, Crow. 
That's what. That's the. Con- I didn't get the first connection. Now I'm getting the connection. Um, I'm gonna say. Fun fact: There's no such thing as a crow. Yeah, they're actually called murder birds. That's not. not Nobody true. knows that. People don't know that. The, the real no, name of crows those, is murder those birds. Are actually, we learned those are seagulls. Actually, <laughs> did you know there are two types of crow right here on College Hill? No yeah. way. American crows and fish crows. And can you tell? Can what you is just a fish look crow? At them and know the difference. They're really hard to tell okay. by uh, sight, but yeah. if you hear them land, the American crows do that. And the fish crows do that. Wow. Oh, man. Are you good at... Do you know all the birds, all bird songs? No. Okay. But, uh, when but you know those ones. When you're doing field work, though, can you... Do you often identify by... Sound? I mean, the common ones, yeah. Um, and some of the not-so-common ones. But I'm actually not that great of a birder. Um, when I go to the... I'm, I'm more of a biologist who works on birds. Yeah. Um, I get just housed by a lot of the hobbyists huh. when it comes to that thing. Okay. You know, I heard a friend of the show, Kelly Allen who still won't email. He just keeps texting. Come on, Kelly. Uh, he, he teaches over at Northampton. I remember he was talking once about taking his students out to some fields. They were looking at, at birds. They honed in and found out where there was a bird like on a fence um, singing or m- making sounds. And then mm-hmm. once they all were comfortable that they could identify which bird was doing it, then he had them find the bird that that bird was talking to. Ooh, wow. And then they went on and figured out what that one was like. That was... That sounds amazing. Like, I would have loved to have been on that trip. So is that like a common thing? Yeah. I'd assume they were just yelling into the nothingness. At, no. which, point, yeah. at, at which point did they determine who was Crosby and who was Stills? <laughs> Wait, let's are you, get, are you let's, trying to bring it back to Yeah, let's quiz? get it back to Cheryl Crow. Did we get Crow. the Cheryl Crow? I, I think Cheryl Crow has played with a lot of people, and I assume some of the birds were probably have played with her. Which so one do you yes. think? Uh, Crosby. I'm going to go with yes, just because I can't possibly care. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with no, because I like losing. It's it's a yes. yes. Who was it? <laughs> it was Crosby. Yeah. All right, let's quit this. I don't okay. want any more birds. <laughs> okay. Although, why are there so many band names? Bands named after crows. There's Cheryl Crow. There's the County Crows. There's a band, the Crows. It was like a Motown band. Mm-hmm. There's the Old Black Crow, Crows. Black Crows. Old Crow Medicine Show. Yeah. That's five. <laughs> nope. 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 Stone the Crows is the name of a band. Is it? Yeah. Hard headed now. No nope. crows. Why? You're an animal biologist. They wear all black. They wear all black. Cameron Crow, huh? He's you're really getting. You're getting to something. He's not a singer. But he did almost. These are just people. That's a music a, movie. That's a stretch. <laughs> I will. I will suffer no stretches on this show. No. Yeah. Never. Straight down the line. <laughs> exactly. Clear, cogent, comprehensible points only. Hmm. Um, do you have a question? Simon? I do have a question, Mike. What uh, <laughs> day would you prefer, Friday or Sunday? Friday. You're a Friday guy. I am. Have you always been? Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Friday has, you get to teach and do fun things and kind of wrapping things up. Mm-hmm. And then you get to go home and not do work. Yep. But on Sunday, kind of, you have to deal with the, like, I'm not actually teaching, but I kind of don't, have, like, I'm kind of thinking about it, but yeah. I'm not actually doing it. And yeah. That's annoying. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. I Sunday's, it. A, I mean, I think for academics, Sunday is a work day. Yeah. But not people. the fun part of work. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And black licorice. No. God, no. Perfect. All right. It matches. Perfect. Yeah. If it doesn't have chocolate that I can't see, mm. like it should be absorbing light on wow. the like black hole scale. Oh, so you'd like the dark chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Okay. When are we ever going to get this uh, student, Leo McKenzie, who was tweeting us about that licorice study? Uh-huh. Somebody who, did you see that tweet? Probably did. It was uh, just a picture of somebody with a cold sore and they ate licorice and it cured them. Oh, I don't remember that. It was not pleasant. That sounds fake. Are we good? I think we're good. Okay. Well, I wanted to thank Mike Butler um, for being on the show. 
I wanted to thank everybody here. I want You're to always let so people, confused by this part. Like, it's I the really easiest am. part. Like, what is thanks? Um, bye. Well, Glad usually to be here. because people interrupt me. We also wanted to thank Liam Perdiam O'Donnell as our uh, off wait off season producer. Yeah, as our off season producer. B team. Liam, no. Liam. Uh, what, what are the no. No, no, no. A team. A team. I was going to go with prime, West, West Coast Avengers. Team. What podcasts? <laughs> give, give me a list of podcasts. Poor Mike. Oh, supposed to go for home. people to listen. Yeah, to. sorry, Mike's going to go here. Uh, go to Cinepunks, uh, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X dot com for a variety of shows. Got it. And then you can also check me out on Eric Roberts is the man. Um, but I do also want to tell people that they can uh, follow us on Facebook. They can follow us on Twitter at some later date. Uh, they can email us into the mailbag. We had a pretty big mailbag uh, this week, but we didn't get to any of it. We had too much to talk about. Exactly. Lots, of, lots of email. Very we'll, spread. So we'll, get to it. we'll get to it next it's time. It's mostly just adoring fans. So we don't want to. Re- you don't want to read every yeah. email that's like, "I love you. You're great." We'll get to it next time. Ben is really great. Simon's a little tiresome. Uh, you don't want to go through all those. I know. Very spread at gmail.com if you want to email us. And Mike, what are you teaching this semester? I'm teaching behavioral ecology, and I'm leading the interdisciplinary uh, seminar series in the life sciences. And, and what are some of the main classes you teach in case students listening want to take your classes? Human physiology and behavioral ecology are probably my big two. Okay. And then physiology of extreme animals. Ooh, extreme animals. Yeah. These are animals who snowboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I assume, right? <laughs> yeah. Snowboarding, yeah. Mountain Dew, Cool Ranch Doritos, <laughs> right. vaping. That's what these animals are about. <laughs> right. and we study them. That's right. Good. Thanks for having me. No Thanks problem. for coming in. Thanks for coming in. All right. Headphones off. Good. Filmmakers perceive, and I don't know if it's the overlap of New Yorkers and filmmakers. So this is in my long list of New Yorkers' view of the world and their sure. misunderstanding of how the world They're operates. Crazy, yeah. The the combo of New Yorkers and filmmakers is they think that people who aren't from New York don't understand the concept of cars on streets because so many times you'll see some scene of somebody who's not from New York, like just walking out into the middle of, <laughs> of parked cars into the middle of a street and the cars have to slam their their brakes and they're just like oh sorry I didn't know and then they go across the street See, I was going to say that I my the most Mike, Mike had a sense of this right away I have seen Elf <laughs> oh, there sure you go. okay but that's different <laughs> Elf is he doesn't get anything that's yeah. a whole other thing Elf uh, is the one time where it, like, can it I makes give sense you, can I give you a counter example sure uh, I believe it's Midnight Cowboy we yeah so the I think the famous Al Pacino I'm walking here Mm-hmm. Right. I'm walking here. Right, Dustin Hoffman. So I, oh, Dustin Hoffman. You're right. My bad. I right. get those two confused. That's actually irrelevant. They are yeah. the same person. It's right. Big. But I, I think Midnight Cowboy is the is the one relevant use of that because it's showing that New Yorkers know about their streets, whereas all the other ones in the shadow of that are like we we watched The Post. Sure. And they had a scene where they sent the person up. Even Washington was too like mundane for the big city New York because the Washington Post guy gets dispatched up to New York. And he goes up to the New York Times building, but just like walks right across the street and is surprised that there's cars coming down the street and they have to like slam on the brakes. And it's like, did you not know? Like, if you're not from New York, you don't realize that cars are driving down streets. That's the proposition that they're making, that people don't know that there's cars in streets. One, okay, can I, can I say, I have been in places where humans seem to not particularly care for your desire to drive down the street. But I would suggest... That's so. That's my counterexample: is that there are places like that where people just sort of walk out in the street because they assume like my being a human is more important than your car. Um, however, 
one of the places where I find that to be the case is actually New York City. So like the idea that like, oh, I've never been to a city, so I'm working out. Actual New Yorkers are like, I don't care about cars. If right. you try to hit me, I will just yell at you. That's where the Midnight Cowboy example fits. Right. That's showing that. But all the ones I'm thinking of is showing the opposite, where people are not from New York and they don't know. It's not like they don't care about the cars, but they, they want to yeah. give you the impression that it's a country rube who doesn't know that there would be traffic. That seems weird. I, I would agree. My experience of these, you know, sort of like hayseed yokels is that uh, they do the exact opposite. Like they see the light and there could be no cars. Like you can't even find a car parked, let alone coming down the street. But the light says red, so they're just very patiently waiting. That's, mm-hmm. I think that's actually more accurate is that folks who have never been to the city before are like, we have to wait for the light to change. Whereas like city people are like, well, I don't see anything immediately going to kill me, so I'm just going to go for it. I think it's just a cheap way, getting back to the idea that you've seen this in films, it's a cheap way to represent that people are afraid. It's such a cheap, it's very. It's a very cheap visual metaphor. It's better than the other New York metaphor, which is like, I just got here, and all of a sudden someone is like, like the 80s thing, every time anyone goes to a city, someone's trying to sell you something someone, out of a jacket. I was going to go with gang member with a switchblade. That like right. every youth, and they would just see you and be like, you don't look like you're from the city, I have a switchblade. And that would always happen, and I was like, that, that doesn't happen. People have found cheap ways to sort of express something in a film very quickly. Like, But we have a lot of ones like that. The reason I was actually thinking about this recently was actually foreign genre films. Oh, so what we were talking about was horror, but this would be true in, in a variety of different genres where you are sort of trying to represent something that has a cultural res- resonance, but that isn't immediately obvious. So you don't want to spell it out. One of the things that we were discussing is how weird it was when Korean and Japanese horror films started to get popular in America, because a lot of the imagery, like we didn't understand it. Like you see a woman, she has long black hair and you see her from behind and she hasn't turned around yet. Like to me, I'm like, look, there's a lady there. But like, that is like uh, an iconography, like something scary is about to happen. That like in okay. that culture, people are like, oh, that's probably a ghost or a witch. And I'm like, why, why though? It's just hair. Like I don't know, like I don't have the same, you know what I mean? So yeah. I think we've developed some of the same things with the way that we do movies of like, the city's scary or you're in the country or you know, like there's ways that we just want to tell the audience something really quick and, and we buy into it that we go, all oh, right, okay, I get it. You know what? It's too much work.